Welcome to the Living It Up podcast. This is the Living It Up podcast where we explore the changing landscape of competitive golf. In this episode, we recap the RBC heritage, talk about a surprise winner on the Corn Ferry Tour, and also talk about a new college event, the Commander-in-Chief's Cup, where Billy and Brian were on the ground. But first, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction, the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. As we head into the spring season, you know you need some gear to better manage the elements. So head to zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for a very generous 30% off your purchase. This is Brian. I am joined by George and PJ Tour veteran Billy Hurley III. Let's start with you, George. What did you make of the Heritage? It delivered the full Jordan Spieth experience. Um, so, you know, you, which I think if I would love to see internal data on this to see, you know, which players really move the needle um, because you've basically had an event. The the numbers have come out on it. The the viewership was up significantly over last year. And, you know, I think all the elevated events have sort of had uh, better ratings than years previous. And, but, you know, this one, it didn't have, Rom played, but he wasn't really a factor. Scotty wasn't really a factor. And Rory, you know, notably sat it out. So you're, the world's top three really weren't part of the festivities for the back nine on Sunday. But Jordan Spieth was there doing all the Jordan Spieth things. And it was great TV. Um, and so, I I mean, I think kind of when we talk about guys who move the needle and who really matters in these things, I think Jordan Spieth really kind of is that guy right now. Um, because you just never know what you're going to get. Matt Fitzpatrick obviously won it in the uh, in the playoff, which was really exciting. I mean, how Spieth's putt on the first hole missed still kind of mystifies most people, um, including him. And the other thing we have to note is Fitzpatrick's pace of play is absolutely admirable. All all players should uh, aspire to be like him. In fact, the commentators were even pointing out that you know because they you could tell they were having a hard time with basically coming down the stretch like there'd be the whole can't lay like ordeal getting ready to hit a shot his ball would be you know in the air it'd get to the green and as they cut back i mean fitzpatrick is basically addressing and in backswing and they were coming like yeah hey when when can't doing his thing or his playing partners are are in their routine like he's getting his glove on he's going through everything he needs to go so that when it's his turn like he's ready to hit and so many players, especially like at the junior level, level, really need to to do that. And uh, we we actually tweeted about it this morning that we are now officially a pro Matt Fitzpatrick podcast. Um, he came out very emphatically, being like, "We have to fix this, and nothing is being done. It is an absolute problem, and slow play has got to get fixed. And the only way to fix it is just start slinging penalties." He said that threesomes should be done in four hours and twosomes should never take four hours. So bravo, bravo, bravo. Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, coming after the Masters was really slow down the back nine. We've talked about slow play in our great golf debates almost ad nauseum and talked about remedies that we we might have for it. This is a really tricky one because you've got Jordan Spieth, who's kind of a, a ready golfer. Matt Fitzpatrick plays very ready golf, as you said, George, and they're paired up with Patrick Cantlay, there was that one notable video that, that made its way around social media 
with Billy Foster, Matt Fitzpatrick, Cassie, Matt Fitzpatrick, yeah, Fitzpatrick's caddy, just letting out this like sigh, like, oh my gosh, we're going through this pre-shot routine again. It, it just gets to be a little bit of a, of a really tough look for Patrick Cantlay. I, I'm curious, like what will happen, if anything, I, I can't imagine a rules change goes into effect anytime soon. We've talked about how challenging it would be to write that rule. Uh, Billy, you could tell us about that. But what I've seen, and I, and I, I don't want to encourage this because I certainly don't want to encourage heckling, but I've seen this video start to emerge where people just grab their phone, like their iPhone or their Android or whatever, and they just start a, like a stopwatch and they're like filming the routine and they get over a minute and they get over 90 seconds and they get over close to two minutes. I almost think like that sort of shaming is almost the only way to do it, quite frankly. And the, and the shaming could come from players. I hope it doesn't come from fans in the form of heckling, but if they want to do silent uh, timing of players and then post that I'm all for that, that type of shaming. Well, I think one of the things that may push it, if these rounds, and I haven't seen any data that says our rounds, you know, 15 minutes longer today than they were four, four years ago or whatever it is. But at some point the broadcast partners are are going to nudge, make suggestions, somehow get involved because, you know, when these things you know, golf is sort of unique. You don't really know when the end is. It's sort of like a baseball game in that way that for these broadcasters who do have multiple other shows to get out in addition to their golf, at some point, I think are going to come back to the tour and be like, hey, th this is a problem and here's why. And I got to imagine with these routines because they got to be on the guy with like the ad spacing and everything else trying to produce a, a broadcast um has got to be super hard when you got these guys like again you got a, a Fitzpatrick who basically you know is ready to go steps over it pulls the trigger instantly and then you've got much more methodical players and I know Cantley is getting the brunt of it because he's just been in final groups and getting a lot of TV he is not an army of one out there this is lots of players um I've spoken about it I don't know Brian if you've noticed it and with your kids doing some of the junior stuff there are some routines out there at even at the junior level that are just unbearable. And you know that if those kids that go on to seriously compete, it's just going to get worse because they're convincing themselves that being this methodical and taking this time is what works. And so, um, you know, I, I think getting attention to it helps, but until broadcast partners and people who are actually bringing dollars to events um, start to, sit down with tours and say, Hey, we, we need to kind of fix this. And here's why um, it's really probably not going to change. Yeah, that's right. I mean, money's the only answer. And, and, you know, we've talked about how, you know, money to players is, is, is stroke penalties, not fines. Um, that's the only way that fixes it. You know, famously Jordan Spieth's written the check, you know, I think a number of times for how many times he's been on the clock over the year, you know, there's a, there's a maximum number of times and then there's a check and, you know, broadcast partners coming and, and, and saying we've got to change it is, is something I hadn't considered George but I think that's right that's another that's a, what another way of money could affect the problem but I do think there's a there's another issue here that you know and Patrick Cantley pointed to this this week is that rounds on tour have not gone up you know those that that internal data you're talking about the, you know the the threesome rounds have not gone up from you know 4 or 43 or or whatever the average is and i think that part of that is you know that takes into account the first off you know threesome on thursday morning who probably plays in 430 
and then it progressively gets slower. And then your last off you're playing in maybe five Oh five. So you averaged a four forty three, four forty seven, something like that. And it's kind of, you know, keeps it in that middle. And then you have, you know, whenever you play threesomes on Sunday, it's just going to be slow. There's just no way around it. Um, you know, I, I do think that Patrick's gotten a little bit of the brunt of this in a, in a not fair way. Like you said, George, he's not an army of one. He's just been playing well as of late. And so therefore his shots are on TV more. I do think at the masters, it was slow for everybody. Um, you know, Patrick was not on the clock. His group was not on the clock on Sunday, you know, so that means they were in position. Right. And and then Rom and Brooks were just that much faster. So they just finished and stood and waited, you know, but Patrick was not out of position. Um, and, and I don't think the final group was put on the clock, you know, Sunday at, at Heritage either. So that means they were in position. And I, and I will tell you, there's a little bit of leniency given to the final group. You know, you know, I mean, like when I won, we probably should have been put on the clock, but they just came up and asked us to pick it up. You know, we know you guys are grinding over here trying to win a golf tournament. Like we're not going to actually put you on the clock, like um, pick it up a little bit. And we did, and we got, you know, closer to, to, but they probably could have just as easily put us on the clock there on, on the last, you know, with, with four or five holes to go. Um, but so, so I think there is some leniency given to that. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I guess the, the thing is, I think there is a lot of this take the glove off, put the glove on, like all that stuff that like we could do that earlier. That doesn't need to be a part of your pre-shot routine is like you take your club out of your bag, then you put your glove on, then you do X, Y, or Z. Um, you could have the glove on ready to go, <laughs> you know, kind of there, there's, there's a couple of things that, that can easily be done for, for some people there. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not convinced how big of a problem it is, to be honest. Um, I think the only argument that has merit to me at present is the junior golf argument. And, and I've said forever, as the PGA tour goes, so goes golf. And, and so the impact on the game and the competitive game kind of downstream is something that, you know, should be seriously looked at by players. And, you know, when, when juniors are taking six hours, I mean, even college golf's taken a long time to play golf now. And, and, and some of that is, um, some of that probably has to do with course setup and some of that has to do with relative talent levels. And some of that has to do with routines that take forever. Yeah. I mean, like the, a couple of the times, and again, because he's getting on camera a lot, he, he is now sort of become the, the face of this, but there was a couple instances that Brian mentioned where people had pulled out the clock, but Cantley was totally set up. Like he was ready to take the shot. And then he came completely out of the shot. Like, stood over it, looked at it, and then kind of like almost reset to get ready. And one of them was like a four-foot putt. Um, the other one was definitely like this punch shot under a tree, which I can get, you know, that's – you're trying to sort of do a few things here and you're on leave, so you're there's a lot more algebra to that piece than, you know, I'll say what looked like when it finally got rolling and went in, a fairly straight four-foot putt. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's just – you see these routines and it is like the glove is great. The glove is all the five seconds. Um, but if you aggregate that over, you know, 68 shots, you know, that's not insignificant time. And you start adding up all the other stuff. So, so something's got to give, um, but until real money is, is at stake, nothing is going to change. 
So um, I think we can, we can put it to bed where we have a champion out there in Matt Fitzpatrick, who is putting, putting our words out into the press saying that it is, I think he used the word like atrocious. Um, like he really didn't hold back. So I, I applaud him for being um, maybe the new blunt, honest person from the British Isles to step into the commissioner's chair. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction. For more than 30 years, Zero Restriction has been the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. Check them out at zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. Thanks to our friends at zerorestriction.com for their support of the Living It Up podcast. I, I, I read one thing this week that said, you know, I think the tour is going to be hesitant to ask top players for anything more. They're already scared enough, you, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Right. So I, I don't, you know, I don't know that this one's going to get solved in the next 18 months or, or any policy change kind of, kind of come in that way. And George, you talked about that notable player from the British Isles that uh, did not make the start at heritage this week. One Rory McIlroy. Rory had uh, also not played at Kapalua. So had used his, for this season when those top players are required to get their pit money to play in all the designated events. Um, he was at least according to a source docked $3 million for not playing in this one. And what I'll say, because I haven't heard anything officially come out of Rory McIlroy's camp is that we just don't know. And I'm, and I'm very curious about this one. Is it, is it a nagging injury? Is it sadly a, a personal problem that he's got to deal with? Like there's a lot that we just don't know here. And I think if it is just fatigue from the masters, then that really stinks because he was, you know, the poster child for all these changes that have gone into effect and he should have just fucked up and played. You know, I hope it's not something more serious than that, whether that's injury or personal issues, but either way, it's just not a good look. And to me, it's not a good look for, for him to not have a statement on it. And, you know, I don't think this should come from sources saying that he was docked $3 million. I actually think the PGA tour commissioner's office or, or the commissioner should talk about it. So I, I'm going to read between the lines a little bit here. Um, I think it would have been an injury. And once the thing got leaked about, you know, some money coming out of his pocket, I, I think we would have heard, you know, it, he tweaked his back or he's he's got a nagging injury and he's going to have to rest it for a couple of weeks um, because you would start doing the PR campaign to keep the money in your pocket if that was it. Um, <clears throat> the fact that some other players, kind of prominent players, I think Shoffley, um, spoke out about it. I think a couple other guys kind of, you know, I guess in parlance, like kind of subtweeted him about it. And, you know, we're sort of like, yeah, man, like this was the deal. This is what got set up. So this is what we got to do. Um, and the fact that they were fairly blunt in their indirect criticism, you know, no one got caught out by name, um, tells me that it's probably not a personal issue either, because that probably would have cycled through the the rumor mill to at least be like, Hey guys, let's keep this quiet. But Roy's got to like get home and deal with something. So we're going to be okay. And, you know, I think guys would have hyped out. So I, I think, you know, and don't get me wrong. The guy has had a very long 12 months. I mean, he has taken on the mantle of sort of speaking out. And I think over the last 12 months, he was very free with his time to, speak on things and kind of do extra press things and things that take him away from the game, but still take time and energy. So I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a, like a knock on him to just be like, yeah, man, I'm just gas. Like I'm emotionally 
you know, and there's physical, you know, stamina and there's that emotional stamina and golf requires both. And I think, I mean, <clears throat> it, it's no, I, I do not fault him or think it's a, you know, a bad thing. If he's just like, man, I am gas. Like I just don't have the emotional energy to, you know, all these things I've been dealing with and sort of shouldering and being the face of, in addition to the, the golf requirement. But I think to that point, you know, he probably does owe, and I use O in air quotes because I don't know these guys really owe anything, but does sort of should have come out and said, hey, you know what? Like I am just gassed. Like I am, I'm taking off for three weeks. I will see you back at what is it, Wells Fargo or whatever kind of the next event will be. And I just gotta like put the clubs in the garage, play with my kids and like get get recharged. I think that's exactly right. This is a fatigue withdrawal. If it were a injury, a tweaked neck or wrist or whatever, then we would have heard that and he would not have been docked $3 million, right? And, I, and of course, I still, you know, this docked $3 million is a fictitious thing because the, you know, the 75% of the PIP money is not going to be paid until the end of the tour championship. So, you know, by the time that all comes around, we're going to have forgotten about this and who knows what Rory's payment will actually be. Um, so it, it, it's not a good look from the face of the tour in that sense. Um, I think the tour probably had to, you know, leak the 3 million thing, um, just to kind of, they had to do something since it was a fatigue withdrawal is, is the way I'm reading between the lines like George. Um, they couldn't just kind of let it go, even though, I mean, the PIP policy gives the commissioner full authority to, you know, amend these rules, right? We haven't, we've heard nothing of Tiger Woods not getting PIP money, have we? Um, you, you know, and, and, and he's, you know, in this camp of, you know, won the PIP, right? Like whatever the, whatever the top number was, right? We're, we're I think we're still going to pay him the, the PIP money. And nobody's against that. And I don't think anybody would be against Rory, you know, not getting it other than this is just a fatigue, you know, withdrawal that I'm tired and I don't want to be there. And I'm emotionally and physically exhausted, which are all real, as you pointed out, George, those are, those are real things. Um, but I think in this case, man, it's just a bad look for Rory. He really, in my opinion, you know, so much as it is just what we think it is, is, is fatigue should have, sucked it up and, and come and played at Hilton Head. I mean, can we be honest about the pip in the sense that <clears throat> Tiger could be on like his Lark scooter getting out to the ceremonial first tee at age 91 at the Masters to just hit that ceremonial first shot. And they'd be like, well, Tiger Woods wins the pip again. <clears throat> uh, oh, no I mean, question. The, the pips of Tiger Woods knew it fun. <laughs> correct. And and I and by all means, like we rail on the, you know, we call some the tour out on a lot of stuff and this and that i have zero problem i don't think anybody ever and ever has a problem with that on the tour yeah. either as long as there is air in his lungs if the tour just breaks off 10 million a year to tiger woods because it just call it he's tiger woods bitch like there it is that's what you're getting and everyone's like yep that's that's fair. Like, yeah. And I'm in full so. favor of that, you know, like they have these like sponsors exemptions for the designated events going up, you know, next year. And, and basically it's like, no, it should just be, if your name's Tiger Woods, you get to play. Like, I, I mean, you don't need a sponsor's exemption if your name's Tiger Woods. Okay. Period. Thank you very much. 
Correct. And even if he can only play two rounds and his, you know, his body's not going to be there. You got it. Come the, on. Yeah. Those Come two on. rounds bring the eyeballs. They bring the excitement. Right. So it, you talked about needle movers. Is. You talked about needle movers before, you know, there's one true needle mover in golf and his name's Eldrick Tiger Woods. Right. And there's, there's a couple of sub needle movers down under there. Jordan's probably, you know, the, one of the next ones that's not number one in the world at the time kind of thing. But I mean, the only one that really changes it is Tiger Woods weekend. Yeah, the, the funny thing that I've seen is that there should just be a, you know, 80 plus tour victories uh, exemption category. And so he's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one. Looks like I can play this week. I, I, I told him they should make it one more than Phil has. Just to, whatever I forget the number that Phil has. They just make it like fifty plus, right? Yeah, like I think Phil's, like Phil's got like forty six or forty seven. Yeah. yeah, they just make it fifty plus, just to kind of another little another little nudge in there. Hey, uh, talking about potential needle movers, but who've just been super quiet this season. You know, I think he got fourth at, at Phoenix. What's going on with JT? Um, Jordan seems to be back and, and contending and perking up leaderboards. All while doing, and I, like again, the Jordan Spieth experience. All while doing full on Jordan Spieth things, where you're like, well, here we go, ball off the planet, and somehow he's back in play and gets it up and down. Um, JT has just been, you know, like a bob in middle of the pack sort of PGA Tour veteran cashing checks. Um, is is he injured? Is there anything going on there? It's a good question. I mean, he certainly has not really contended to truly contended, although he had a top finish at Phoenix. He wasn't like in the mix, right? He played early, I think, and, and shot a low round kind of Sunday, you know, went from 15th to fourth or, or whatever it was. Um, my mom continues to give me a hard time about picking JT for the Masters as I, as I did on here. So she sent me like a text Friday at the Masters or whenever after the cut. I was like, I think your guy has to make the cut to win, right? Like, so it probably didn't work out so well for your pick. I was like, thanks, mom. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, you know, he's won two PGAs. Maybe it's just a PGA thing. Maybe he's going to, you know, come 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 back and defend it. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, and this is very much an, an unsubstantiated rumor. I heard this on the shotgun start that they feel like they've heard whispers of injury you know, famously, I, I forget who this was, but it was a professional athlete that said, you know, no professional athlete is ever at 100%. We've always got a nagging knee, hamstring, shoulder, something that would put us at something less than 100%. You know, and Billy, as someone that's played this game, actually some seasons with nagging injuries, I'm sure you can relate if he is dealing with something, whether that is a, a back injury, a hip injury, whatever it could be. But yeah, he doesn't seem to be firing on all cylinders. Well, I think the 100% thing's 100% true. Um, you know, I've said that forever. No, no professional athlete is ever a hundred percent. Um, and golf's a little different. Like you can have some like weird, like, I mean, you could have an ingrown toenail and it like really would affect you playing golf, you know, or it might not affect you as much playing other sports. Um, you know, but you, you, I don't know if you, you know, we do, I mean, I guess, you know, we'll see, right. Like that's, that's, that's the thing here. We don't, we don't know his camp. He hasn't said anything. Um, We'll see. So let's shift our attention to another part of competitive golf that we don't talk about too much here on the pod, and that is the Corn Ferry Tour. But this week we had a surprise winner, uh, a guy that's famously been around the PGA Tour ecosystem for a long, long time. That is one Spencer Levine. And just a bit about his Veritex Bank championship that he secured on Monday. He, he actually had to play in a Monday qualifier, decided last minute to get there, survives a five-for-one playoff with a birdie on the first playoff hole, uh, to actually get into the event, 
then shoots a bogey free 63 in the final round for a one shot victory. You know, I built Billy, I know, you know, him having you know played on tour for a number of years, you know, you have some, some history with him. What say you about this, uh, I guess, comeback victory. I don't know what we'd call this thing. It's definitely a comeback victory. I mean, I don't think he's had, you know, he hasn't played on tour since like 2017 and hasn't really played a full schedule on, on corn Ferry And, you know, in those six years in between, uh, you know, his last season on tour and, and this victory and, um, you know, Spencer's kind of been one of those guys that, you know, strikes the heck out of it and, and didn't quite put it, you know, like, like good enough to, to ever, um, to win on tour, but, but, you know, for eight years, I mean, that's not nothing, you know, I mean, I mean, I think he's made $8 million on tour, you know, I mean, it's not nothing, right. He never, never made a tour championship, didn't play that many majors, you know, but, but kind of famously, a, a bad boy of professional golf, you know, a bunch, bunch of cigarettes, you know, not, not afraid to, to let some F-bombs fly around, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing. But, um, I've always liked Spencer. We've always had a good relationship. I've always said, you know, Spencer's actually got a really good heart. You know, he, he kind of doesn't act the right way all the, all, all, all the time, but, but he, he's actually kind of got a good, good heart and a good kind of soul in there. But, um, you know, Spencer and I go, go way back to, you know, us amateur at Oakmont in 2003, I uh, played Spencer in the, in the first round of, of match play there, but, um, I think it's great. You know, I mean, like that's, that's the corn fairy tour story, right. You know, I mean, I think he, I think he missed full status at Q school by one shot. So he had like partial status heading into the year. And then he Monday qualifies, get through, you know, the, the, the five for one playoff and then, you know, shoots a great score on Sunday to come back, come from behind and win. I mean, that's, that's the corn fairy tour, you know? So hopefully, you know, he can, put it, uh, put it together for the rest of the year. You know, I mean, a, a win kind of puts, doesn't put you guaranteed to be in the top 25. Um, uh, but, but it gets you pretty, pretty well close to it, you know, kind of, kind of thing. And it might be 30 this year. So um, with, with kind of some of those changes coming out of Europe and in the DP world tour with some cards and, and whatnot, I don't have all that squared away myself, but um, you know, good, a good solid, you know, nothing, nothing special, but, but solid, you know, second half of the year for, for Spencer, we'll, we'll get him back to the PGA tour. And so does a win give him like a, a win on the tour gives you two years of tour status. If you win on the corn ferry, do you get two years of corn ferry status? No, it's a weird one. Well, I, and I have to really go dig. I can't remember if this was changed or not, but when I played, you know, corn ferry, um, nationwide web.com corn ferry stuff, it was, you actually only got a one-year exemption, which was kind of silly because your one year was on the PGA Tour, you know, normally if you had, if you had won, right? So um, it certainly gets him fully exempt for the rest of this year, um, you know, so he can set his schedule and do what he wants to do. And and then, you know, like I said, play solid. He'll, he'll go, you know, back to the PGA Tour um, for for 2024. And and then I don't know what it – honestly don't know what it does for, like, 2025 if he, he comes back. You obviously, you know, have that kind of past champion status uh, now on the Corn Ferry Tour, which which he didn't have before, right? So, I mean, he came out of, like, no status, uh, you, you know, uh, having never won on the PGA Tour or the Corn Ferry Tour, even, you know, with eight seasons under his belt, had, you know, came out of the no status category to, to kind of – I guess he had conditional status on Corn Ferry this year at a Q school, but – um, you know, definitely a, a resurrection of, of, of Spencer's career. And, and, and I hope he can 
continue it and play some good golf. Yeah, I mean, famously, and, and Billy, you could probably tell us what the fine is, but there is a fine for, I think, being on the broadcast and and smoking cigarettes or, or you know, doing chewing tobacco of some sort, and he will just rip cigarettes. The one thing I, I always remembered about that 2003 match play is he may have gone through an entire pack of cigarettes playing 18 holes. Yeah, I don't know much about the fine structure on tour. That might shock you guys, but, um, uh, you know, it, it does exist. I just don't know. Actually, you know, never had a letter put in my locker, so I don't actually know how it all goes down. But I thought we would turn our attention then to a really special event that both Billy and I had the honor of, of participating in. Billy, as as more of, a, you know, a board member of this event, the Service Academy uh, Golf Foundation they put on this really cool event, the Commander in Chiefs Cup at a very historic golf course, Robert Trent Jones Golf Course in Gainesville, Manassas area of Virginia, famously has hosted the first few President's Cups uh, starting in 1994. And this brought together the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, uh, the U.S. Air Force Academy, the U.S. Naval Academy, their golf teams, and was an opportunity for you know people around uh, those those uh, those institutions, whether those are former golfers you know, people that just, you know, love those institutions and, and want to see them shine, you know, come together and, you know, create this new tradition. You know, Billy, talk to us about this new tradition that you guys are are creating here. Um, it was a fantastic event for me. I was really honored to be a part of it. Uh, and kudos to you and the team for, for pulling it off. So the Service Academy's Golf Classic, you know, Brian, you and I played in that uh, when we were at school. And that was started in, I think, 90. Three. And so 1993 was the first Service Academies Golf Classic, which was this same uh, Army, Navy, Air Force collegiate teams together. And then um, that fizzled out. It ran for about 20 years. And then in 2012 was the last one that was contested for no good reason other than the kind of founding generals had grown old and and mostly passed away and and no one kind of picked up the torch from from the guys that were kind of kind of doing it and so this was an opportunity um you know 10 years later from from when it fizzled to to kind of bring it back rebrand it um more in that you know commander in chief's trophy branded commander in chief's and the vision to run a world-class golf tournament for the service academies to, to honor those kids that are, that are making, um, you know, significant decisions to, to go serve our country after, after graduation and to, to raise some money for their programs, you know, to, to elevate their programs. This is going to be quite a recruiting pitch, I think, for the service academies golf teams going forward much like the Army Navy game is, much like the Navy Notre Dame game is for for Navy, um, these the hopefully you know this will elevate each of the programs and 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 bring some higher level uh, golf to the academies, all, all three academies, and you know it was a twenty four months or so 20, 20 plus months in the making of 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 starting to work on this uh you know well back in in twenty twenty one um but it was um it it was a great thing to to have the inaugural commander in chief's cup um you know the entire service academy's foundation board deserves uh, a hearty congratulations you know we have uh, kind of representatives from each of the academies on the board there um and and it was just a great thing for me to be a part of for for um 
you know, Robert Trent Jones did a terrific job uh, at the at the event, and and they already want to have it again in talking to you know their leadership and and members there at the club. They they want to have it again, and and so we're looking at taking this to world class golf courses. That's another piece of the puzzle. Is we want to you know have a world class experience at world class golf courses, and and so we look forward to doing that you know, in the coming years. And Robert Trent Jones certainly didn't disappoint us, uh, you know, this year for the inaugural competition. Yeah, I would echo the the hearty congratulations to everybody that helped put on the event and my thanks for, you know, having participated in it. Uh, like you said, the staff at Robert Trent Jones was was top notch. You know, everything about the event was really, really well done. Uh, so kudos to you on the, on the board on pulling it off. The other thing, and, and this is kind of funny to think about because much has been made of shotgun starts. There's a, there's an entire league that does a shotgun start. I can tell you that, that the gauntlet was thrown down by the commander in chief's cup. Uh, we had a collegiate amateur competition. So each of the members of the golf team played with three folks, uh, you know, like myself or Billy folks that, uh, you know, had, had chosen to be a part of the event. Um, it was a really cool competition that we were able to be a part of as just sort of their practice round, but also a friendly competition amongst the service academies. And the shotgun start was started by a flyover by two F-35 fighters, you know, buzzing the grounds and actually, you know, making the the neighbors fear that we were under attack. There was a call put into the course, uh, request for comment by local media to ask, you know, what just happened along Lake Manassas. So uh, certainly the coolest way you can uh, get a shotgun start going. Yeah, no question. You know, that, that was that, that was pretty special. I, I think one of the top two flyovers I've ever seen. Um, you know, just, just from a, from a military jet perspective, you know, two, two young air force pilots and F-35s coming over at, you know, 1,800 feet, something like that. And, uh, keeping it just under supersonic to, 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 to avoid the, uh, to avoid the boom there. But, um, that was, that was, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to top that one. We're gonna have to work pretty hard to see if, uh, see. See if the other airspaces around the courses we go to will 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 allow for for those types of things. But yeah, super super way to start it. You know, you mentioned the the collegiate am, uh, Brian. You know, that's kind of like the 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 pro am of this of this tournament. I told the you know the academies players uh, the night before. I said, you know, hey, we have we have a saying on tour that there's no Sunday without Wednesday. You know, there's there, there's there's no you know tournament and paycheck without the pro-am piece and that was the case with this there's no commander in chief's cup without the collegiate am you know for for the people that um you know donated and 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 paid to play in the in the event i mean so one of the things we did as a foundation was you know this collegiate am covered all the expenses for the service academies like they just had to get there Uh, that was their only expense was actually just getting to rtj and nobody left the gate, you know, after that, right? Like they stayed on property, all the meals were there at the golf course, obviously the golf, the practice facility is tremendous. And so um, that was the, uh, the very first day, the the West Point coach came to me, I said hi to him, you know, he's like, Billy, what am I going to do on Tuesday when I got to tell these guys we got to go back to West Point? Like, this is incredible, you know, <laughs> so um that was probably the, the the worst part of the week was driving out for for for, for the service academy players. Um, but you know, so the service academy golf foundation is a five hundred one c three that is aimed to benefit the service academy 
golf teams. And so there's more information at syncup.com, C-I-N-C cup.com. And you, you can donate, you can get swag there. Um, and, and we look forward to a, another tremendous event, um, moving it to October of 2024. So we're, we're 18 months from, from the, the second playing, but we're moving it to October to kind of open up the calendar a bit more in, in the fall versus the spring. Yeah, I, I would echo everything you said around um, the event. The other thing I would say about cincup.com, certainly uh, the logo is pretty cool. If you are a fan of either Army, Navy, or Air Force, you can pick up some really nice gear there. And also, if you are someone that, that is a part of a you know leadership or a board of an organization that wants to support it, that's another way to think about for future events, You know, supporting a, a very worthy cause and, and, a, and a great mission behind it. Um, I thought we'd then, you know, point our attention to what's next. I mentioned shotgun starts. The, the Brian, golf Brian, Brian is... we should mention, we should, we should mention that you and I won the collegiate am. You know, ah, that's I mean, that's I true. I, I, I wasn't going to, I, I, I wasn't going to toot our own horn. Yeah, we should throw it in there. I guess. I feel, you know. I feel like use of the word am if you're on the it's, team is is a little loosey goosey. That's that's fair. That's fair. I may or may I, not I have played the blue tees as opposed to the gold tees. I don't know. I, the, the, we're not going to let the facts get in the way here. That's true. It, there were. It did make for some funny tee box combinations when we had our collegiate player playing a back, sometimes fifty or sixty yards. And we'd be like, ah, yeah, that's a good drive. Me, that's though. a good drive. Yeah, there were a few that he, he got. They hit it further than me. Like, give me a break. Yeah, quite quite a cool event. Um, so yeah, take a look at the at the website, cincup.com for donations, gear, or what you might do in the years to come. But yeah, turning our attention to what's next on the calendar, we've got the Live Golf League down under in Adelaide, Australia. Or as uh, I met an Aussie recently, he called it Radelaide, which I thought is a really Cool way to think about that one. So it's apparently a pretty rad part of the country down there. And then the Zurich Classic in New Orleans, the team event. Uh, Billy, you know, I thought we'd first talk about the team event. You've played in this one uh, before. I was looking down just the the tee sheet. There's a lot of head scratching, uh, you know, teams out there. Uh, reigning champions Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley are there. There's some notable teams up at sort of the top end of the leaderboard, but that, that bottom end of the leaderboard is uh, quite interesting to look at. Yeah, it's an interesting one for sure. I mean, it's a, it's another casualty, we'll call it, of the designated event schedule. Um, they have never gotten a great field there in, in New Orleans, but this is certainly looks like one of the least, you know, top-heavy fields they've, they've had. You know, they've had, um, you know, John Rahm's played in the past and, and, and won in uh, – you know, Brooks Cup guy, obviously not not eligible to play, but has played in the past. You know, so they, they've had some top, more top names um, throughout the years than than this year. And um, yeah, head scratching teams at the bottom, and the and the bottom kind of just gets filled most of the time by like the next two guys on the alternate list. So it's like they might not even want to play together, but they're here. We are boys. Like we we both got in the event, so here's here. Uh, you know, we're coming together. We'll figure it out. You know kind of thing um so you know you, you get some teams you know rookies traditionally kind of play together right like because they don't know anybody else to kind of play with in a, in, in a lot of ways and um you know matt fitzpatrick's in the field playing with his brother um so you know it, it, the the way it works is non-pga tour members do need one of the sponsors exemptions to play in the event um 
but any PGA tour member could pull another PGA tour member, even no matter how far down the alternate list they were to, to be their partner An exempt PGA tour member could pull a non-exempt PGA tour member in, um, in the, in the cool pairing of, of the week, I think you have Eric Cole playing with Sam Saunders. So notably, you know, Eric played great at Honda and came up just short of, of his first PGA tour win there. But, you know, Eric was Sam's swing coach for two years while Sam was on the PGA tour. And now Sam's had a nice uh, early start to the corn Ferry tour. He's, he's, he's kind of back at it after some injury um, and, and playing corn Ferry this year, but, but uh, uh, got, got pulled into the field, I guess, by Eric. So that's kind of a, a fun pairing, I think kind of in that, in that middle space, you know, it's not the, it's 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 not the the bottom you know guys you haven't heard of in, in a long time and it's not the the top you know needle movers uh you know top players in the world space but in that middle space i think that's a pairing to follow this week yeah all-time quote again matt fitzpatrick just having a great uh week with the pressers he was asked he's doing the presser with his brother and he's asked like so you know what was what was it like you know the discussion to to select your brother and he's like my parents just wouldn't stop bugging me so i had to <laughs> like, like yeah yeah i will play with my little brother he can come too like all right and yeah it was all in good fun but again just kind of nailed it like matt said patrick um you know i i watched obviously the the full swing and you know his episode was really interesting because you realize just what in in the the kindest way possible just what a true like golf nerd he has been his entire life and then you know obviously he wins the u.s open and you kind of like he was a guy everyone was talking about like dude this guy's super talented this guy's super talented super talented it's coming it's coming and then yeah he wins the u.s open which i think was probably a little bit of a further breakthrough than we were ever expecting probably a pga win and then you know he's winning harbor town and he starts talking and he's like man this guy's really engaging so um yeah this is uh you know Fitzpatrick's getting his glow up right now and, and it's going well. The, the pairing of uh, Max Homa and Colin Morikawa should be interesting. Um, Cal is a sworn rival of Washington. So as much as I do like both of those players, um, I will not be rooting for them this weekend. So I think Joel Damon is, is in the field as well. I'm not sure who he's playing with, but you know, I think he's, he got a cup of coffee at Washington. I don't know that he totally is a uh, alumni, uh, but so we'll, we'll be, we'll be rooting for the, the boys in purple. I think, uh, there's one other Washington yeah, you, guy that's out there. You're overlooking both of you guys, the, the featured pairing, and that is John Daly and David Duvall. I mean, we've had all these walk and talks. We've had these featured groups. Like if we're not doing a walk and talk for 18 holes with David Duvall, who's now essentially a broadcaster and John Daly, who's the most entertaining man in golf. Like what are we doing here? That needs to just speaking be 18 of, holes of walk and talks. Yeah, I was going to say, sp- speaking of whatever the fine is for cigarettes on TV, uh, Daily probably will get there. And I assume that someone just follows him with like a Diet Coke cart ready for him at the... As no, 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 he, he gets his own cart. You know, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't need a cart coming with him, right? Like he's, Oh, that's uh, <laughs> right. He's just got the cool... In this event, he probably can't take the cart, though, can he? Can he take the... He can do it on the champion side, but he probably doesn't No, but he's... he's uh, well, I mean, in 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 many events past, you know, a lot, you know, five years ago or so, he, he was, you know, playing uh, tour events in the, in the cart, you know, under the medical exemption. Right. I mean, like, that's the, that's the thing is like, that's the, you know, tiger cart thing is like, he could get one on tour. Right. But he refuses to, 
apply for it versus the champions is like it's already sanctioned for anybody that wants it or needs it kind of thing i think if you want the cart you have to wear loudmouth pants like daily that's just the rule and then if we look to live adelaide you know this one famously has had a lot of buzz from the local community they sold out the ticket allocation they added some more tickets they sold out that ticket allocation and and they've set up party holes and a bunch of other ancillary things that that do accompany live events. I don't know who the uh, the musical act is. You know, hopefully someone good or local that's down there. But it promises to be quite the party down there at at Live Adelaide. And it'll be very curious. You know, who is you know who showed who showed some form at the at the Masters and who may be rounding into form. You know, here on the Live schedule and then turning their attention back to the majors. Big uh, big update on the Live event. They have released the pairings. And all of the captains will be playing together. And then for the first round, all of the teams are playing with each other. So they're, they're mixing how it, how it goes out. And, you know, it, it's amazing. Like golf, golf Twitter is kind of such a unique place to itself. The people going and literally being like, this will be such rampant cheating with these guys who, I mean, who's going to call penalties on your team? I just did all this stuff. I'm like, guys, A, they're competing against each other for an individual payday. Um, B, there are rules officials in each group, like real tournament golf. So I think that's pretty good. Now, one interesting question would be, since they are teammates, can they read putts? Can they share? I mean, we got into trouble for this with sharing information about the bag, the club playing. You know, can they share that information? since they are technically teammates in the overlapping team event with the individual play. So there are some interesting questions. I'll be curious to see how this plays out. I think they are doing it just for the first round will be um, everyone plays with your team and then just shuffles from there. But I know it's a credit to live in the sense of they are, they are constantly willing to try new things just to see what sticks. And um, you know, I'm in, I'm interested to really see how this event goes down this will be i think really the first event that seems to check all the boxes that live has been telling us they are going to do they're going to have you know huge fans they're going to have all this stuff they have you know sort of the the mini version of the 16th hole um at waste management down there for a par three and again like the internet's like oh it's so small it's look at this this is such a a terrible knockoff and you know you take a minute to go back to look at phoenix 16th hole even i think in the early 2000s and it does not look anything like what they have now so i'm like for year one being able to pull it off and hopefully have the atmosphere um yeah it'll be great for them so uh interesting to watch this um, seeing some news clips come out of Australia and it looks like they're getting a lot of good press and, you know, being very welcomed by, by Australia, which has been starved for professional golf for a really long time. So I think this event has a lot of potential to sort of show, I think showcase what live can really be um, at other destinations. And it'll be, it will be interesting to see, if that can help them get some momentum, either booking, you know, venues for the following year or, or other things like that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch. And particularly for the, the Rippers uh, golf club, the all hockey team, they, they promise to have, you know, the bulk of those fans cheering raucously for them. And so this one would be uh, an interesting one to watch, obviously not a fantastic time zone. So it'll be interesting to see 
what the, the numbers are coming out of this event, both you know in the US from a broadcast perspective and who watches and who pays attention, but also around the world. Uh, and with that, boys, I will bid you adieu for this week and we will check in this time next week. See you boys. Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod. See you there.